Coming live from Indiana, USA is our guest tonight. Welcome to this very special edition of the KJ Masterclass Live, the show which ensures that you profit from your time spent here with experts, either through their industry insights, information, or simply learning from them. And today we have Brett Ridgway, 25-year veteran of the speaking industry, number one best-selling author of ABCs of Speaking and Mistakes Authors Make, Founders, founder of Speaker Fulfillment Services, a company that works with speakers, authors, and information marketers. Welcome to the show, Brett. Well, it's my pleasure to be with you here this evening, AJ. Looking really forward to it, sir. Thank you. Thank you, Brett. And it's it's a pleasure to have you on the show. And we'll be talking about how to build a profitable speaking business. Firstly, uh, Brett, to understand from you, you have seen this industry from inside out. You know the good, the bad, and the ugly, also the ugly of this industry. So to understand from you, uh, how has this public speaking industry suddenly come, come up in a big way? And almost every second person that I see is either an author or a public speaker. Is it a lot of money out there in this industry suddenly? Well, there certainly can be. And one of the key things that any person who's thinking about launching a speaking career needs to decide up front, AJ, is what kind of speaker do they want to be? And here's what I mean. You have your what you think of as your, your keynote speakers, and those are the people who are paid a, an appearance fee, basically, to come and deliver a talk, whether it's for a corporation or an association or whatever. And then you have your what I call your platform selling speakers. So they're not paid to come and speak. They're just basically spending their own dime or nickel to get to the event. And then they're going to sell their product or service from the stage. And then there actually, there's kind of a third kind, and that's what I call a content-only speaker who is doing some public speaking to build awareness of their brand. So maybe they're not selling from the platform. Maybe they're not being paid a keynote speaking fee, but they are doing speaking to spread their expertise and build awareness of whatever brand or service that they have. So you got to decide where speaking fits into your particular mix if you're thinking about being a public speaker. But I will tell you that by and large, unless you're one of the uh, you know the rare breed who's paid tens of thousands of dollars to do a speaking engagement, you have much greater chance of success to make more money as a platform selling speaker. So I mean, you're risking your nickel to go to an event. But I actually have a colleague, AJ, who spoke at an event in London a few years ago. And in one 90-minute presentation, he did $995,000 worth of sales. One presentation. Now, even after your typical 50-50 split with the event promoter, he walked away with nearly half a million dollars for his 90 minutes of work. Now, of course, he had some travel time and all that. But if you, the bottom line is that if you can become an effect, effective platform seller, you will probably make a lot more money than you will as a keynote speaker. Right. Right, Brent. Now, to understand from you as an audience, uh, there are different sort of speakers. Keynote mm -hmm. speakers, general speakers, people who want to talk about their industry, about their what they are doing. But for the audience, how should they know or how would they know who they should listen to or go for their events. And many are virtual events and who they should avoid. Because at the end of the day, 
they are taking away some information from that particular presentation or public speaking job that somebody is doing. How would an audience know whether that is the right sort of a speaker for them or somebody to be avoided? Because if almost everybody is an expert, then, and then that, that's a problem because then there are too many experts around. So just to understand, without, you know, without diluting any sort of an effort by people from different walks of life who are doing the speaking job, but this is the part I'm talking about, the credibility part of the information that they are disseminating for the audience. Yeah, you definitely need to do your homework up front. And that comes from more than one perspective. If you're an event promoter who's looking at speakers who are being on your platform, then you need to certainly look at you know where they've spoken before, what their message is. Is it fit in with whatever your curriculum is for your particular event? If you're expecting to sell from the platform, then how have they performed in other venues before? Have they been effective? Have they, have they closed sales? Because typically an event promoter who's doing a multiple speaker event is doing the event to make money, to generate revenue. And so they want people who are effective selling from the platform on their stage. So they need to do their homework ahead of time. And they also need to think about their curriculum of their event. I actually attended an event a few years ago, AJ, that had... It was a multiple speaker event over the course of four days in Las Vegas. And the promoter was essentially seemed to be all about getting as many people on a stage that had names, big names or whatever. Well, as it turned out, three of those speakers were talking about the subject of copywriting. Well, copywriting is a very important subject, certainly. But by the time that it got to the third speaker, the audience was out, been there, heard that, you know, tuned out or whatever. And that the chance of that particular speaker selling anything from the platform was about zero because people had heard that already. Now, from the other perspective, if you're an attendee or possible attendee at an event, you need to look at the event in terms of whether it is going to give you the content that's going to help you advance in your career or whatever it is. So do your research on the speakers. They should have YouTube videos up. They should have a LinkedIn profile that you can investigate, you know, what they've written, articles they've posted. It's what they're talking about. Does it resonate with you? Is it in line with where you want to go for your next particular step? But, I mean, doing your homework is critically important, whether you're an attendee or an event promoter or even a speaker. I mean, the speaker who found out that he was the third speaker on copywriting at that event, I mean, he was screwed. But if he'd done his homework up front and found out there were going to be two other people talking before him about the same subject, well, then maybe he should have you know, declined speaking at, at, at that particular event or come up with a different topic that fit in in some way. So, yeah, doing your homework is critical, regardless of what particular role you're playing in the process. Right, right. Now, let's come to the industry itself. You know, a lot of people who are very good, they carry a lot of value with them, with whatever do they are doing, and they can be good speakers too. So, talking about them, but they have not started as yet. So, to understand from you, how can a person, somebody who is into entrepreneurship, coaching, or on any uh, side of their business, even, even in an established company, but they are not public speakers, how can they get started with this public speaking business? Sure. Well, I mean, the first thing you got to decide is, do you have a true passion for sharing your message with others? I mean, that's first and foremost in the whole scheme of things. If you indeed have that, then you need to get 
very, very comfortable with the content that you want to deliver. Now, a typical presentation at most events, if you're a keynote speaker, it's 100% content sharing your message. If you're a platform seller, then it's about 80, 85% your content. And then the 10 to 15% is your sales close portion of your presentation. But you've got to be so comfortable with your content that you can basically deliver that content without a bunch of prompts, without a PowerPoint. I mean, you know it inside and out. And the more comfortable you get with your content, the more effective you will be from the platform. But you've got to not be afraid initially to, you know, look at groups like, you know, go speak for your local Rotary Club or Kiwanis or whatever. Get, get Just get comfortable being in front of an audience, learning your message, honing that message, sharpening your skills. I mean, Toastmaster is, is a great outlet for some people. I, do they have that in India? I do not know. But, uh, I mean, they have it certainly in the, here in the States. And it's a chance to get, get up in front of people, share your message. And then also in the virtual world these days, you know, look at podcasts that you can get on. Again, just sharpening those skills. It's all about practice and, and perfection. And I mean, you're never totally perfect. You'll screw up. I mean, I'm not the world's most eloquent speaker by any stretch of the imagination. But I feel that I have a, a positive message to share. And so if they'll put up with my an occasional um or or whatever, then I'm happy to be out there and sharing the message. But get comfortable with your content. And don't be afraid to step outside of your comfort zone and do some new things because that's where your true growth lies as a person. Right, right. Talking of India, yes, this is a lot of people are great speakers. Uh, a lot of, you know, debates and all these things are uh, put a lot of emphasis even in colleges and people do speak uh, a lot. We, we Indians speak a lot and there are a lot of speakers also in uh, in, in the business business line uh, mm -hmm. in, the, in in other spheres of life people give training and as you know we have a great uh, you know vibrant political system where a lot of do people do also political speaking and speeches but let's talk about the business part at the moment and in terms of a speaker when he or she decides on this thing then how do they decide on what they should speak should they just stick to their expertise or or is it like there is a lot of this uh speaking happening on motivation yeah and if i see if i have seen these figures correct then motivational speaking market in the us uh, these are old figures but this is what i could get was in 2019 it was 1.9 billion dollars but it's forecasted to be in by 2025 2.3 billion dollars so almost uh you know almost uh, double uh, it, it uh, one and a half times its reason and it is rising and we have not taken into account uh, the market that is beyond the motivational mm -hmm. uh, speaking market so uh, how do people who, who decide on a particular line should they stick to their expertise or should they think about things like motivation or anything else yeah, I mean, by and large, I think people should initially begin with their expertise when they're launching a speaking career. But I certainly have. Yeah, I'm very much here. Brett, don't worry. It's just the power uh, power backup which I'm going to come soon. But yeah. I'm very much. Yes. All yes. right. No problem. I'm very much so uh, initially, I feel, AJ, that people should focus on their expertise. But I do have colleagues in the industry who wanted to get into speaking and they knew something about a subject, but they were more interested in finding out the pain points of people out in the industry. What questions were they asking 
you know, back in those days on Yahoo bulletin boards or whatever it may be, and find out where their, their pain points were so that they could then develop a talk focused on helping them overcome those various pain points. So, I mean, market research is something that certainly any speaker can do. And then you got to educate yourself on your particular topic. I mean, I know a lot about the speaking industry, but I'm not the, the expert on certain aspects of the speaking industry. So when I'm doing a training or whatever, I don't hesitate to bring in other people who I think know more about a given part of the speaking business to share their expertise in that particular area. But uh, yeah, if once you get comfortable with the subject, whether it's something you have to go out and learn anew because you're responding to your market research and what the needs of the people are, or whether it's something that you're just, it's inside you because that's your, your passion or whatever, either one can work certainly. And it's up to you obviously to decide as a speaker, which route you want to pursue. Right. Right. So now if after some, somebody who decides on a particular line of expertise, how do they begin that process of speaking? Because even they may think that they are a, they can be a good uh, good speaker. Nobody wants to give chance to a new person. So what should they do? Do do they get up onto any stage that that they got get, or should they wait for you know the right stages? You talk about you know it's not just getting on stages, but getting on the right stages that is so important for speakers. I mean, certainly starting out, I think you need to expect to pay your dues as a speaker. So that means you're going to speak maybe for free a few times to get, again, more comfortable with your content and all that, whether it's a Rotary, a Kiwanis, a Toastmasters, whatever it may be. But over time, it's all about relationships, honestly, AJ. It's about who you know and who knows you as importantly, who's willing to give you some stage time to cut your teeth or whatever. And you got to pay your dues. I mean, when you're going into a multiple speaker event as a, a new speaker, don't expect that you're going to get the prime speaking slot, you know, right before lunch or wherever in the afternoon. You know, you're going to get the early morning slots or the time right after lunch when people are, are, are you know, <laughs> wanting to take a nap or whatever. But you got to pay your dues and, and work your way up in the industry. But uh, getting out there in front of Charitable organizations, I mean, everybody's looking for speakers these days. There's hundreds or thousands of opportunities. I mean, we found each other via a service called Podmatch AJ, and I would encourage people that, you know, want to get more polished and practice in their area of expertise to sign up for a service such as Podmatch. Now, there's a number of them out there, but look for podcasts that are focused on the audience that you think you want to reach. And obviously, you're selling yourself we t- you know, you talked about the motivational speaking industry and how large it is. And I mean, yes, people are buying motivational speaking, but more so they're buying you and what your unique story is and your unique perspective on the situation. So you're selling yourself and your your backstory as much or more as the actual topic that you're delivering to that audience. Right, right. And when when does that, you know, paid gigs start happening? How do you make that happen because you see one is the real world and one is the virtual world now both are you know built dependent on relationships in the real world you know a few people people so you can try and connect with them but on the virtual world a lot of people are unknown so how do you approach them how do you uh, start first the initial phase and then to the paid paid gigs because sure. obviously that's what you are Therefore, to build a business 
for yourself and a profitable one at that. Well, I mean, if you're using a service such as Podmatch, AJ, certainly you need to have an interesting backstory. I mean, there was obviously something about my backstory and what I sent to you in the initial message that caused you to respond and say, yeah, I think Brett would be an interesting guest for my show. So what's that backstory? And then I think it's very important to be seen out there, whether it's at networking events or whatever, so that more and more people get to know you. I mean, you should be, even if you're an experienced speaker, I think, you should appear on various summits and other things as, as a participant and, and be involved in that particular event in some way so that more and more people see you. I've been doing a lot of networking lately on various venues, I'll just call them, where people have online networking events. And it's about introducing people to other people and people getting to know you. And I mean, yes, you've got to decide. I mean, you can't just network continuously. You got to actually put into action some of the things that you're learning along the way and the relationships that you're making with people. But I mean, networking is, is so critical, and you can easily do that online these days by getting into places like Speakers Playhouse, which is a, a weekly networking event put on by a couple of ladies here in the states. I mean, I, I know there are four or five different ones off the top of my head where people can go get involved in that particular networking activity. And they have people from all over the world involved in them. But get involved in that particular event so that people can get to know you, learn about you. And then as you're building that awareness, then obviously you need to have a good place to send people if they want to find out more about you. So you need a good website and you need a, a decent media kit at some point in time. And you need a, over time, you need a LinkedIn presence and a YouTube channel and all those other things that go with making people more and more aware of you. But there are all pieces that you need to put into place, but you do it, you know, like a house. You build it one brick at a time. So you just got to continue to to work. And, you know, I think it's really important, AJ, that you got to remember that whatever business you're running, whether it's a speaking business or, or something else, there was an author by the name of Michael Gerber. You may have heard of him, but he was, you know, wrote the, the E-Myth book. And that's so true. You got to make sure that if you're running the business, whether it's a speaking business or something else, that you're carving out some time every day to work on building your business and not just involved in doing your business every day. And, and that's so critical. I have a friend who this is the same guy that did the, the million dollar in sales almost at one particular event. And he does you know, what you call five minute marketing, making sure that every time someday you're carving out a few minutes to do some build a business building activity whether it's, you know, send a thank you note to somebody, reach out to somebody via LinkedIn or, or Facebook or whatever, and just say, hey, how's it going? How can I help you? I mean, you certainly have to come at it from a how can I help you perspective in the whole relationship building arena, because if you're always in it for what's in it for me and what can you do for me, then people won't respect that and they'll, they'll not respond to that and you won't get where you want to go. I had a book a few years ago that I co-wrote with a couple of guys called Mistakes Authors Make that you mentioned. And we were able to drive that to a number one bestseller on Amazon strictly because of the relationships that had been created. I mean, people were happy to help promote the book because they'd known me for 10 or 15 years or whatever and, and meeting at the various events. I mean, we mentioned Speaker Fulfillment Services early, AJ. And I mean, that became a multi-million dollar company strictly off of relationship building. I got my start in the industry handling the backroom sales table at about 150 or so internet and information marketing conferences. So I got to know the speakers in the industry well. And so when came time that I needed something from them because I'd been helping them for years, 
they were more than happy to help. So, I mean, I think your relationships are your most important business asset, not your website, not your logo, not your brand, but the relationships that you have in your particular niche. Absolutely. Website, logo, maybe, you know, and relationship, but then as they say, you know, the truth, uh, the taste of the pudding lies in its eating. So, and the taste and, and the, uh, what you call, what sort of speaker you are actually lies in the way, uh, in the way or the time you open your mouth mm -hmm. and the words start coming. Sure. So for a speaker, for a speaker, potential speaker, uh, is that, is that the only weapon in your arsenal? Is it just your mouth, some words or should a speaker, you have written uh, this best-selling books, ABCs of speaking and mistakes authors make. If we relate both the things in terms of speaking uh, opportunities, what should be there in a speaker's arsenal before he even starts speaking, open, uh, opening his mouth? Well, I think you can start speaking anytime, as I said, to get more comfortable with the whole process. But I do think, AJ, that having a book or books are very important elements of your marketing arsenal. I mean, my, I've written eight books now, all aimed at the speaker, author, information marketer, event promoter type niche, the, you know, the expert space, so to speak. And it's all based on my behind the scenes perspective, handling that back sales table. And then eventually getting up in the front of the room, too, because I, I'm a kind of a natural introvert. And, you know, I was happy to be the behind the scenes guy for 10 years or whatever. But then I decided, you know, Brett, you really need to get up in front of the room, too, and share what you've learned along the way. And so that was a matter of, you know, overcoming my own insecurities about getting it up in front of the audience or whatever. But, yeah, speaking is a great marketing tool. Having a book is a great marketing tool because it gives you credibility. I mean, people seem to have a even though millions of books come out every year, people see, still seem to hold authors in a certain sense of awe. And the fact that, you know, what do they say? More people, there, there's 90 percent. I mean, there's some ungodly high percentage of people that want to write a book, but, you know, 1% ever do type thing. So if you're one of those that's written a book, you seem to stand out in the eyes of the people. And it definitely is something that should be in your arsenal. It's really a business card type thing. It's a, it's a credibility builder. You know, if you can become a uh, Wall Street or a New York Times bestseller, great. But those are, you know, those people are few and far between. The money's not really in the book itself for most people. It, it's a marketing tool, the credibility that it builds and what it leads to. I mean, the real money for books is in the back end products and services that that book can lead to, whether it's a training class or a mastermind program or whatever it may be. But yeah, books are critical to have as part of your marketing arsenal, certainly. Okay. And in terms of mistakes that you know, speakers can avoid in their speaking assignments. Well, there's a, there's a number of things, what are the things that you should be prepared for. And yeah, exactly. They can they can avoid making the same mistakes that you wrote about. You know about in the book called author <laughs> mistakes author make or even speakers make for that sure. matter. Well, you know, one of the things that I think speakers are particularly weak on AJ is doing the market research ahead of time for a particular event that they're speaking at. Who's going to be in that audience? So how can I best customize my presentation to address their particular needs? I mean, a lot of people have that canned speech that they're going to deliver the same speech time after time after time and never vary it in any way. But if you truly want to have 
the massive results that you wish to have, you need to figure out how you can tweak that speech to best deliver the content that the audience needs to move themselves forward. And that could be at a multiple speaker event where, again, you should study the curriculum and who else is speaking on that platform ahead of time to make sure that what you're delivering isn't a direct repeat of somebody or whether you're going into a corporate or keynote speaking environment for an association, who from the audience, who is going to be in the audience from that company that you can address in some way to help build better rapport with that audience. So studying the crowd ahead of time is, is something that most speakers are, are very weak in. Another thing that speakers tend to be weak at is being prepared to seize upon all the opportunities that may arise for them. And here's what I mean, AJ. So, a few years ago, I was at an event and I standing outside the hotel and I watched a colleague of mine being carted away in an ambulance. Now, fortunately, he turned out to be fine after all was said and done. But I could see at that point in time, the, the event promoter standing over to the side, basically with a look of panic in his eyes because the person being carted away in the ambulance was scheduled to be the next presenter at his event. So he's over there. I'm like, oh, my God, what am I going to do? I don't want to tap dance for 90 minutes. I need to deliver content to my audience. I've got to fulfill the promises that I've made to them for coming to my event. And that's where, as a, a, another speaker at that event, you need to recognize that the opportunity that that presents for you. So you should always have what I call a back pocket speech handy that you can deliver on a moment's notice. And it should be related to the content of the event that you're at, obviously. But it's, it's something that you know so well that you can be the one that can step up and be the knight in shining armor for that event promoter by offering to fulfill that slot for them. And that does a couple things for you. Number one, you're a hero for the event promoter because they don't have to tap dance for 90 minutes for their audience. You're delivering valuable content. So next time that event promoter is going to put on another event, you're likely the first one they think of to bring back in to speak again for them. But also it gives you more face time with the audience so you can build better rapport so that when you get into that selling situation with them, maybe in your other presentation, they're more likely to respond positively to you because you built more rapport with them. They've had more face time with you. So maybe you'll never need that back pocket speech, but it's nice to have it handy so that if that opportunity should arise, you're the one that can be prepared to seize it and be that hero for that event promoter. I mean, it, right. it, it's, a, it's an interesting, fascinating business. And it's one of those things where, you know, I've kind of seen a lot of uh, things that just make you shake your head or whatever, but all the same time, it's also a great adventure. Right, Brett. Right. So uh, just to understand from you, like in several, in most of the cases, the event organizers, they give you a particular time slot that this is the amount of time you have to speak. But mm -hmm. at several places, they, uh, they, they don't specify a time. So how and how should one decide on the time? What is the ideal time slot that a speaker, if they have to decide, then they, they can think of as a speaking assignment? You know, I've seen certain speakers succeed in almost any time frame, honestly. It's really more so about the quality of the content you bring and how you engage the audience that will get the response that you want. But by and large, most people would avoid the first thing in the morning because there's people dragging into the meeting, you know, late and all that. And most people would avoid the first time slot after lunch. So the prime time slot in most people's opinion, honestly, is the last spot before lunch. So that 
if they are doing sales from the platform, they have plenty of time to engage the audience at the sales table, answer their questions, and, and conclude the close, so to speak. Uh, the second slot in the afternoon after lunch is generally a pretty good time because people have awoken from their nap, so to speak, or whatever, and they're they're responsive. Now, the last slot in the day can work. And again, all, any of them can work if you're a really good professional speaker. I mean, I've seen some speakers, honestly, that they prefer to be the first thing in the morning and, or they prefer to be the last thing in the day. And, for, you know, and that worked for them. So, you know, maybe they did a short presentation one afternoon and then invited people back to come in the next morning to hear their, their, their major presentation. And because they had the chance to pre-sell in that earlier session, then people would show up and, and respond to them positively. I mean, it's one of those things where anything can work, but it takes a true master of the craft to make those less than ideal time slots work for them. Right. You mentioned about the before lunch session. Is it because of the lunch that the, there is heavy attendance or is it because, because the speaker is good? I mean, what, what's, what's the correlation there? Well, it's... It's more so from the standpoint of they like that slot because they know there's a nice long break after their after the presentation. So they have the ability to dialogue further with the people at the sales table who are interested in what they may be selling. And if they want to do a, a like a breakout lunch for just the people who are interested, they can then have the ability to take them into a little private lunch and, and, and complete the, the sales close. So it's more about having that extra time on the back end of the process of that time slot than anything else, honestly. Right. So how do you bring the sales part? You are there to uh, speak on a particular topic that you have been invited for. And then how does the sale part come in? How do you bring that in? Yeah. So if, if you're a platform selling speaker, typically these events are multiple speaker events over three or four days. And the event promoter will bring you in because and because he expects you to sell from the platform because that's how he's going to make money. Okay. So you know, I think we talked about this a little bit earlier, but I think 85 percent of your time on stage should be about delivering quality content to that audience. And then you need to transition as seamlessly as possible into the you know what here's what I have to offer type part of the presentation. Again, whether it's a coaching program, one on one to many mastermind, a masterclass, whatever it may be. I mean, what you choose to offer at the back end is entirely up to you, and I've seen all of them work, so it's really what fits in with you. But the sales part of it comes into play at these multiple speaker events, and the audience understands that they're going to have opportunities for continuing education. And now, if you're an event promoter, I think you need to, to mix in content only sessions with the pitching because if it becomes if your event becomes known as a pitch fest is the term they use here in the states then people you know can tune out a little bit or whatever but yeah by and large at these multi-speaker events people expect that there's going to be things offered for them to continue their education and honestly if you're a, a great speaker you deliver great content and if you truly believe what you have to offer to that audience will help advance them forward then you're doing a disservice to them by not offering that chance for the continuing education with you. Right, right. What is, what is the uh, amount of opportunity that is there for women speakers? What's the trend in the U.S.? Uh, because in India, 
uh, there are more and more women uh, coming on to the stage and talking about businesses. And uh, But in terms of, you know, making it a paid sort of an event and when yeah. women speakers, how, how is that? What's the trend in there? Well, there, there's great opportunities for, for women in the United States in terms of speaking. It seems that, honestly, at the last virtual summit I was on, I was, uh, I think I was the only male speaker, honestly. I mean, the other dozen silver speakers were all women. And this was a call, it was an event called the International Speakers Conference. It was put on by a lady, and most of her colleagues, obviously, that she was comfortable with having on her platform were ladies. But there are tons of virtual summits out there. And honestly, AJ, you know, most of the networking events I've been on lately, I, I would guess that they're 80% women. I mean, so it, it's really interesting. I'm doing a class right now with a guy, and it's all about getting your message out there. And yeah, easily 80% of the people in that class are, are, are female. So it's really interesting to see that who is looking to you know, step themselves forward. Now, I do see, honestly, I think there are more men involved in the uh, keynote part of the equation from speaking than women. But I know some powerful female speakers here who, you know, have as many speaking opportunities as they want. So the chances are there. You just got to go out and grab them. Right. Right. Uh, We have got so much of information, so much of insights into this uh, speaking business, speaking, you know, how one can create a profitable speaking business for themselves. Now, in terms of, you know, in your in terms of learning more about from you, you have got your books. How do people get those books and how do people connect with you in case they want to learn directly from you, know more about you? Sure. Well, the primary website is brettridgeway.com, and you'll see the correct spelling down there in the bottom third of the, of the screen. Uh, so you can go there. The books are available on, on my website. And again, I've written seven or eight so far. I do have a new one coming out in early to mid-2023 called How to Build a Profitable Speaking Business. And if you wish to be notified of that particular book when it comes out, there is a website devoted to that called buildapprofitablespeakingbusiness.com. I am also starting a podcast called Spotlight on Speaking, and I'm recording episodes right now that will be releasing in the next three to four weeks, I think. So working hard at that. But Brett Ridgeway is the main site there. And uh, if you have any questions, by all means, reach out. Best email is info at brettridgeway.com, and I would be delighted to talk with anyone. Right, right. You you talk of just three words, you know, for what uh, to be the greatest keys to success. For, a, for being a speaker or author or even an information marketer. How do you sum that in three words to achieve Three success? words. Relationships, confidence, passion. Right. Relationship, confidence, and passion. passion. Yep. Right. Right. Now, uh, now about you, Brett. You see, you started you're, you're from a very different position say from the from the back end from the back rooms and to the onto the stage and now you are an author you are a speaker you are you are again talking to a lot of me people like me on podcasts and even now having your own podcast Mm -hmm. it was a very different journey but you have achieved a lot you founded a company speaker fulfillment services and you are still going strong what is it that you know you could have easily now taken a backseat and enjoyed your life. 
what is it that keeps you motivating where do you want to reach actually after having reached such a long long distance in life sure so the i mean the thing that drives me honestly is num- number one you know people talk about retirement or whatever and the thought of getting up every morning honestly and saying all right what the hell am i going to do today just sounds totally unappealing to me so i you know i want to continue to drive myself and prove there are things i can do myself that maybe I, I didn't have the confidence to do before. I'm actually in the midst of a rebranding of myself. Everything I did before, whether it was speaking or whatever, was on behalf of Speaker Fulfillment Services. So this is the first time I'm actually branding Brett Ridgway as the brand and putting myself out there to you know share my expertise. And it's a bit scary, honestly, because it's it's something I haven't done before. But it's a drive because, I, number one, I truly believe that I have information that will help people out and can shorten their learning curve. But it, it's also about me proving to myself that I can do it. And so it's a personal challenge to myself to step out and do something different, step outside my comfort zone and master another thing. So Wonderful, wonderful. Great inspiration indeed. And as you know, as the great man said, miles to go before I sleep. Before I sleep. On this note, it's a wrap on this very special edition of the KJ Masterclass Live. Thank you so much, Brett, on coming on to this show. My pleasure. Thank you so much, AJ, for having me on the show. 